0: You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Curry House. This is episode 52. Your hosts are myself, Alex, and Joe. We are joined by the author of Girls Who Love Monsters, aka Kaiju Hime, Destiny. How are you doing, Destiny?
2: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you very much. That's a pleasure to have you here. So, Joe, how are you? Sat there stroking your dinosaur there for me. This is the Kenner Big Red Tyrannosaurus Rex. This is the dinosaur, Alex. Thank you very much. (laughs) But, um... Oh, man, you're a fan. You definitely know what I'm talking about. Mm. Anyways, I am doing just fine. How's everybody else doing tonight? Splendid. Shall we get the show on the road of our question? Oh, absolutely. Alex, what have Kaiju been up to? Well, thank you for asking. I have been gifted with a pre-order from the lovely Matthew. And Matthew messaged me earlier today saying, have you pre-ordered the Arrow video Tremors? And I said, no, I have not. He said, don't order it. So I think that's in hand for Christmas, which I'm rather pleased about. So I can expect, (laughs) yeah, I've I've got the the Tremors released from Arrow on the way. I've also been continuing my marathon of the Gamera box set. And I have two converts. My children are actually Gamera fans rather than Godzilla fans. He is the friend of all children. He, Ooh, yeah he absolutely is. And I think it is the presence of children in the films that is kind of winning over my kids. Because whenever I say to my kids, you know, do you want to watch a monster movie like Godzilla? I always try and steer them that way. And then Emma says, oh, like Gamera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yes, like Gamera. However, there was a touching moment earlier today because we've been um, separately binging all of the Toy Story films. And there was a part in Toy Story 2 when, um I think it's uh, Mr. Potato Head calls Rex Godzilla. He says, out of the way, Godzilla. And <laughs> my, my daughter, Emma, literally slapped her thighs laughing. And she was like, I got that. And I'm like, yes, you did. Well done, child. And she said to me, do you reckon if there'll be a turtle in the next film, they'll say, get out of the way, Gamera? And I said, no, that, that's a bit too but But she's trying, bless her. <laughs> I've also been recording my son's reactions to the fight scenes with Gamera and his noises that he does, they're improving. So he'll do a noise when he'll look at me. I can tell that he realises I'm recording him because he'll do it, look, and then do it again a bit better. So he's, he's rehearsing them. So the Gamera film that we recently watched, um, the knife head one, Gamera versus Giron, have you seen it, Destiny? mm mm-hmm. what,
2: do, what do you think? I haven't seen one with in a while, but my husband and I actually have been rewatching a lot of Gamera yeah. films lately. Um, the late, the last one that we saw was the one with the Superwomen, and I forget the title of it, it's like Gamera Protector of the Earth or something mm. like that. And it's, it's basically a filler movie because it just takes oh, yeah, all of the one. fights from the yeah, previous movie.
1: Gamera Super Monster, I think.
2: Yes, that one.
1: Whenever I watch these films with my kids, um, my daughter Emma, who's learning to read currently, she'll be staring, she'll be looking at me, looking at me and going, what does that say? I'm like, relax, relax. It just says Monday. What does that say? It's alright. That just says restaurant. Oh, do they have those in Japan? I'm like, yes,
3: of course they do. <laughs>
1: uh, she's just really excited because at the moment, English as a language is fascinating to her because she's learned to read. So the idea of other languages is like, oh, oh, oh. she can barely contain her excitement um other things that's been happening i received the 1960s yokai horror anthology quite on in the post i was very pleased about that but i put that away that will be one of my holiday presents you know when you get things uh and you think i've got enough stuff at the moment so i'm going to kind of like spread out my treats so even though it's not necessarily kind of planned for Christmas or anything like that. I'm just gonna box away for November, just so I've got like a delayed, um, stream of rewards for myself. What else? Uh, I, I put down a pre-order on Howl from Beyond the Fog. I have been doing loads, loads of, uh, Kaiju stuff lately. And on that note, Joe, try and match me. What have Kaiju been up to? Um, well, first thing I'm gonna say is I am one of the unfortunate few that pre-ordered the Arrow release of Gamron, didn't get it. So right now when everybody's talking about it, I'm just like silently crying in a corner holding my old Gamera DVD set. Hey, same.
2: Same. Oh, I've you. got the old, we've got the old uh DVD set I got for my husband one year for Christmas.
1: Yeah. I just, Gamera the Brave is the one that I don't have. And that's the one I really
3: want to see. I, <gasps> same.
1: Oh. So... Yeah, hopefully if there is another release of the uh, Gamma box set with less extras, I will snap that up, or at least attempt to again. Um, what else have I been doing? So I recently finished the Graboid model done by Invader Design, and that seemed to go very well. And I find myself making a few more of them because I got requests. So one of them is coming to you, Alex. I am going to make El Blanco uh, for you. This it would be pretty cool. Yeah, I've got a, a, I've got a couple other pictures of that. I'm also finally finishing up the Gorgo model that I did. Um, I am painting it and it's starting to look really good. Uh, I, I normally like to like do multiple shades and dry brushing and everything, but I got Tayama paints and ironically the pine green that they had is the exact color it seems that Gorgo is. So I just put down like a base coat and I was like, oh I don't really need to do anything more, do I? So that was kind of fun. Have I done anything else lately? It is Kaiju related. Oh, my significant other and I may have gone Christmas shopping for a couple of small ones. We like to get things done early because Sensing Stuff sells out and all that stuff. So we got a few dinosaur stuff, Kaiju stuff, Smith's toy, you know, like they made a killing off of us today. Um was pretty good. Oh, that actually brings me up. Uh, My daughter and I watched all of uh, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, which was brilliant. I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed it. On this podcast, I take the stance that dinosaurs were the original strange beasts for kaiju for many a culture, so we will include Jurassic World in this. But uh, I really enjoyed it, and I was pleasantly surprised that my favorite species of dinosaur, a featured quite prominently in the uh, cartoon. The characters were all well done. Um, there was real danger in it. Not everybody makes it out, which I was actually kind of impressed that they took that stance in this program. It was very in keeping with Jurassic Park, Jurassic World. Um, my daughter absolutely loved it. There's a little mascot dinosaur, I guess you could call it, in Bumpy. And we had to go to Tesco to spend our pocket money on bu- uh, a bumpy toy, which we had been sleeping with, uh, every night. Yeah, it, it's been quite, quite sweet, but we've watched that show twice through, I think now, just because she's just been so in love with it. So I'm quite happy that my daughter is embracing large, dangerous, scaly things just like her dad. And with that said,
2: Destiny, what have Kaiju been up to lately? First of all, I'd have to say your daughter's so sweet. I oh. I feel I feel a kindred with them.
1: Oh, they get along famously too. Like <laughs> don't they uh, they, <laughs> they do. But that was a highlight of this year. It's not been a great year, but seeing the two of them play together was a highlight.
3: Oh, so so cool. there's So
1: fossils in your front garden is probably one of the nicest sights in the world. I have oh. kind of like a I have like a, a back garden, which to American listeners is like a backyard. But there's a patio and then I kind of have like a rock garden, you might say. So what I do is I go fossiling on my own time usually and any kind of junk fossils that I find, I hide in the rock garden for, you know, six and seven year olds to go, you know, bling through and try and collecting fossils on their own. So it's always fun at daddy's
2: house, but there we are. That is so awesome. I love it. Yes. So you guys were talking about purchases. I did splurge a little bit and got myself A very nice big gallery figure of Burning Godzilla.
3: Ooh, can we see it? Is it there?
2: It is actually um, in my basement um, right now because I could not fit him on the shelf in here. He's
3: like this big. (laughs)
2: Um, I thought it was—I thought it was going to be like a little thing. It was supposed to be a San Diego Comic Con exclusive, I think. Mm -hmm. It's a burning version of the one where it's like. It pairs up with him and King Dedra and he's coming out of the water. I just, I had, I had to get it. I was just like, it's my spirit animal, and I have a, I have a tattoo that I had gotten um, of Burning Godzilla because that imagery is really, really important to me. Hmm. So I just was like, I don't care how much this is. It's like COVID nineteen. I need something <laughs> to make yes. me feel good this year. Mm-hmm. And so this guy came in in this huge box, and I'm just, like, holding it, and I'm like, yeah, my husband, like, oh, looking came it, and he's like, oh, my gosh, it's so big. So that was my purchase highlight, and um, aside from that, we've been watching a lot of Catching Up on All the Gameras, uh, re-watching those, because Gamera's actually my husband's favorite. Then we've been watching a lot of other featured features and any other like kind of creepy monster movies on Netflix. I don't know, I've just been like on a kick this year where I'm like, oh, I want to watch some creepy monster movies. So the last notable one that I watched on Netflix was, um, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark or something like that. It's a, I think Guillermo del Toro produced it and it's about like little, little gremlins. It's pretty good.
1: Is it a recent film?
2: Not recent. I think it came out like 2010-ish.
1: I was going to say, because there's scary stories to tell in the dark, which was Del Toro, but that was more like two years ago.
2: Oh, yeah, no, this wasn't that one?
1: Oh. Those books are traumatizing, by the way. Oh. Absolutely traumatizing books. They're, They're
2: great for kids. Yeah. Uh, don't. hold on, okay. I have to like look this up now just make sure I'm correct. Yes, it's don't be afraid of the dark. It came out in twenty ten. it's on the Netflix and oh. here in the u s It's pretty decent the little creature cool. movie it, they did some different things that i I appreciated. Nice. I was like, oh. That's different. That's
1: cool. That was also quite a charming uh, background noise, sort of the scrambling of your keyboard. Normally, oh. back- no, no, it's good because normally background noises annoy me. But it's been two occasions now, this one included. Very nice. Oh, um, wow. that's an awesome keyboard. Yes. Um, the, like other- the other one was when we were discussing Notzilla. We had uh, Jeff Harklidge John, he's a cinematographer, and his grandfather clock kept shining in the background. It, it just made the whole recording feel quite sort of rusty and Victorian. (laughs) It was lovely. Really, really nice. That's
3: so nice.
1: Yeah, it was wholesome. Let's get right into this. Kaiju Hime, why Girls Who Love Monsters? For a total novice who knows absolutely zilch about
2: this, just treat me as an idiot for a moment, what's it about? So the Girls Who Love Monsters is an anthology. It's an anthology full of comics, illustrations, short stories, poetry, photography, by um various different women and people who identify as women and each piece is the each artist was kind of given a prompt of like it was a very loose prompt uh tell us you know why you love monsters or what has the fandom or your interest in monsters how has that affected you in your life and just anything sort of anecdotal and you know, we have some pieces, some people that are very literal, like, here's a story about a girl who, like, falls in love with a monster. Um, or other things about, like, images, icons of monsters have helped me to get through certain things in my life. Or just, you know, it's like, oh, I just wanted to draw a picture of a monster. That's cool, too. So that's a little bit of what what the book is. Um, it's also kind of a letter in the sense to the monster horror fandom that, you know, we just want to let people know that we exist and that we're there. And it gives people an opportunity to uh, learn who some of these very talented creators are. And a message that I wanted to send to the fandom by doing this project was not, hey, you know, we're trying to, take this from you we're just trying to say hey we're here and we like the same thing we want to help bridge that gap whatever those gaps are in our culture and so let us all come together and be bound by our common interests
1: that's really lovely thanks well you still you sold me on it I'm I I'm sure <laughs> want the book I'm gonna read it so there we are happy times
3: yay please back on this it starts October first. <laughs> okay,
1: so the Kickstarter starts October first. That's fantastic. Is mm-hmm. there a specific goal? Are there going to be stretch goals for it?
2: Yes. So our, uh, I feel like our our initial goal is pretty high. It's uh, like twenty thousand dollars. But what that covers is, is right now it's a uh, limited printing, so five hundred copies. Um, I also need to make sure that everyone who participated gets paid appropriately. There are tons, and that also, that price also helps us pay for all of the goodies that we have as backer rewards. We have, just give you a little, a little nugget, uh, we're gonna have different packages, like, for uh, backer rewards. So we have prints, we'll have buttons, we'll have charms, we'll have enamel pins, things like that, little, little trinkets, some of our bigger goals would be like i was thinking like tote bags stuff like that everybody loves swag um but most importantly the book and some of the highest tier there's a limited quantity of batteries for those but i will also make a free drawing commission for anybody that that picks that tier so you get your own personal kind of illustration and some of our stretch goals will include a hardcover, of course. Um, the printer that we're using also does, like, foil printing on the covers. So that would be really cool. Um, and then some other things. So our biggest stretch goal, I think, would be at $80,000 is Girls Who Love Monsters Volume 2.
1: Was there so much content that it was enough for two books? Or is that that it would give uh, funds for... The start all the second book? Is that what you're kind of leaning mm-hmm. towards?
2: It would be the fun story, the second book. And so this project actually started last year, and I put out the call for entries. It was actually October of last year, and I wasn't sure how it was gonna go. I was like, "Who am I? Am I kind of nobody? Who's gonna want to jump on this project?" And I had about 200 entries, I think, almost 200. And my initial plan was to have just like 20, 20 artists. And so I was like, wow, I gotta go through all these entries. So then I narrowed it down to 50 people. Um, and then, you know, life happens. So we ended up with 38 people, which is still a great collection, just some beautiful, great pieces. And I'm really excited.
1: It's wonderful. Fantastic. Very, very exciting. I've got a question from, uh, Itchy the Classy on Twitter. They okay. say, how many pages roughly will there be for this comic? And um, can more people join in on this project? Well, I think the second part that's already answered because you have the you have the call for entries, but there might be avenues for a second volume if it's mm-hmm. one successful.
2: Oh, I put yes. words in your
1: mouth. I've got that.
2: No, that's correct. Yep. If we if we meet that stretch goal and we are clear to go for a second volume, then yeah, there will be another call for entries for that as well. And the book itself is about it's roughly 200 pages right now.
1: That's robust. That's awesome.
2: And it might be more take because everyone who backs the project is going to go, well, thank you in the book. So,
1: uh, Just before we take a break, I had another question. It was uh, from myself. Prior to Girls Who Love Monsters, what other projects were you involved with or what lines of work kind of geared you towards what's happening now, if that makes any sense?
2: What have I been doing recently? Uh so my day job is I'm a user experience engineer and back I think I started doing cons back in twenty eighteen, possibly, maybe twenty seventeen. It was something that I sort of always wanted to do. And, you know, when my husband and I first went to G Fest here in the US, you know, we went to the artist alley and then he was like, Hey, I think we could do this. And I'm like, I've always wanted to be in a con, like let's let's do it let's just get stuff together and apply and we've kind of been tabling there ever since and we've done more local conventions doing that has been an amazing experience as an artist like i love doing the kind of artwork that i do i love designing uh little merch and stuff i love like sharing that with people and i love seeing people get really excited and and be like this one story i was at g-fest that i think it was uh, I think it was my first year there and I had a little sticker or buttons of the Dorats from Godzilla vs. King Dudra and someone came over and they saw it they just lost it in a good way like she was just like ah, oh my gosh!" Ah! and like the entire room everybody just like stopped and then people were coming over to see like kind of what she was freaking out about it was just like this really amazing experience where I was just like wow someone this piece that i did really resonated with that person and it made me feel amazing that's sort of kind of what i was doing and then as i'm going around and you know i'm like i want to make friends i want to meet people who have similar interests and seeing my experiences in the fandom and then seeing other women's experiences in the fandom made me feel like i really wanted to do something and allow us to have a, a platform to kind of share our experiences. I was like, I guess I'll just try it because the worst thing that could happen is that it doesn't happen. So here, here we are.
3: That's okay. <laughs> fantastic.
1: Incidentally, I love Dorats. So if you've got any Dorat pieces, you need to like send them my the way
2: because Dorats are amazing. Oh, definitely. I love them. They're all my children.
1: And we, were very, <laughs> we were very happy when uh, the Doll Rats featured in the Magic the Gathering cards.
2: Yes, I have them, and I'm
1: like, ah! They, were they went happy. in my deck. I'm not gonna lie, they went, in, they went right into my deck.
2: Same.
1: <laughs> right, we're approaching our first break. We'll return with more questions. Thank you very much for listening so far, folks. If your friends haven't told you, McDonald's spicy
0: chicken McNuggets are back—the ones made with spicy tempura and aged cayenne. But before you go telling friends, make sure you get them first. Order ahead on the McDonald's app. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For a limited time at participating McDonald's.
1: Amazon Prime members get free two-hour grocery delivery. That means no masks, no lines, no pants, no makeup, no traffic jam. No, where do I park? No, where did I park? No random guy blocking the aisle. No, did you drop your shoe in the store again? No. Yeah, that's exactly what it means. Free two-hour grocery delivery. Now with Prime. Hello and welcome back to part two of Kaiji Curry House. I'm joined tonight by Alex and the lovely Destiny. And we are talking about her book that's coming out, or at least we're getting the Kickstarter uh, mentioned here. And it is Girls Who Love Monsters and it is going to be an anthology and it's going to be filled full of absolutely fantastic tidbits about art, comics, and stories. And we're just answering some of our fans' questions. We are indeed. I've got a question from our co-host Paul. Paul asks, I'm sure you've been thinking about making this book for a while, but what made you decide to go ahead and turn it into a reality?
2: Wow. That is a, that's a long story. <laughs> so, so for me so let's start when i was young (laughs) Um, at the the very beginning there was a young destiny and she loved dinosaurs and she swore she was going to be a paleontologist when she grew up and that didn't happen um (laughs) but you know she also loved godzilla because he's the biggest baddest dinosaur you know as she grew up stop talking third person you know i got kind of back into the news when I got I got stable got my day job I was able to like add some free money so I could like spend it and um, you know my husband my now husband and I like to get together and watch giant monster movies and I'm like oh this is great you know, I, you know I didn't know that anyone else really liked this stuff really like I had some friends who were who were boys in 98 when that came out. And so all of my friends who were like dinosaurs and stuff were boys. I never really had any girlfriends who were into this. So I was like, oh, maybe I just like boy stuff, whatever. But you know, I get older, and I and get the internet, and I can I start, you know, finding the fandom. I can you know googling Godzilla, find out there's a Godzilla convention. Drag my husband, you know, and my whole. Goal the first time i went was like i just want to make friends i want to find if there are other girls who like this stuff and i was like oh my gosh there are this is great and so i started to get more involved in the fandom you know it was i wanted to just go back to drawing things that i really loved when i was younger it was sort of my comfort zone and it has been huge blessing to actually um, go to these places go to conventions and share my artwork with people and see my work resonate with people and that inspired me to just keep doing stuff that I love but within the fandom like especially online there's you know when people are communicating online it's very different from when you communicate in a person um, when you're working online, behind your computer screen, you don't really see real people. So, I was seeing comments, and receiving comments, that are kinda of like, you know, those, where are all the women at? You know, why, why, I've never met a woman who like, loves Godzilla, and, you know, for me right now, I sorta of feel like an activist, where I'm like, your gender is not defined by your interests, and vice versa. Anyone who's anyone is allowed to like anything. I got so exhausted of trying to prove my own existence and identity. And I was like, I wonder if other women like feel this way. So I did, I met like other women online and I was like, you know, I really think it would be awesome to do a book and have a platform where we can kind of share our personal anecdotes, whether it be I just like monsters or you know, my interest in monsters help define who I am or help define my career and kind of pull that all in one place and then be able to share that with people to kind of bridge the gap in the community. But then I also would love it if it was a tool for younger girls or young boys even, or young people who are still figuring out who they are, to to have that, to read that, and to understand that if they're in a place like like Little Destiny was, that they don't have to feel like they're alone, that they can be like, oh, it's not so weird. Other people like this stuff too, and I can like this stuff, and that's okay. So that's the saga.
1: It's interesting because you mentioned about uh, thinking of you know, young children specifically working out who they are. My daughter was genuinely shocked that I had a lady coming on as a guest on the show. And I thought that as a conversation itself was quite telling for me because we regularly talk about a podcast and I say, do you have any questions for my guests? Is there anything that's interesting about this? And she listens to most episodes uh, with me and she's sort of taking a growing oh. interest, which is quite nice. But it really struck her. She was like, "Oh, girls like this too." And whilst I was pleased by that realisation, it was also it was still quite poignant because um, she's aware of that also that mm. a lot of her it's male dominated it exactly that because she's her tastes are you know to use her words, not mine. She considers herself to be quite girly in her tastes because she likes pink. She's a fairy princess, and yet. She likes monsters that rip things apart. Uh, Her and her brother, their favourite games are to play. Uh, Godzilla destroys everything and eats everyone. That's the game that they play. And they pick up pillows and throw it at each other and shout. So to to have on someone like yourself as a guest, that that will be quite powerful for her. So I'm excited about that. So Um... do you have a message for younger female listeners to this podcast and younger female fans within within the, the hobby?
2: Yeah, definitely. So my message would be, you can like whatever you want to like. It doesn't define who you are. If you like monsters and pink tutus, that's fine. Hmm. If you like Disney princesses and, you know, spooky things, that's fine too. It doesn't define you. It's just what you like. And we should use our interests. To be able to make friends with other people, with different people, because that's the beauty of our society. Everybody is different. And it's our differences that really can bring us together and make us all unique. And we can learn from each other and grow. And drawing
1: on that. Positivity. What do you feel has been the most rewarding part of being a member and now prominent member of this community? Oh oh my gosh. I
2: know, (laughs) I'm hiding. You can't see me up, I guess, but I'm hiding
1: under my desk. Um. Uh, Actually, there's two parts to it, really, because I suppose you have the role of being that Godzilla big sister, but that's quite different to being a consumer of the hobby, isn't it? Because there's (laughs) there's a responsibility there to people who are feeling a sense of unease or even suffering from kind of the more problematic uh members of our community. But then there's also just you as a consumer. So let's go of the latter. Uh what's the most rewarding thing about this hobby for?
2: It's definitely meeting people and being able to talk about things that we like. That opens a door to kind of like learn more about other people and create relationships with other people. And the other thing that really means a lot to me is especially talking to younger people, seeing like their eyes light up when they see my artwork or just communicating with them and having them be able to share with me as an older person. I have the pleasure of sharing that time with them. And I think as a child being able to have an adult and you can have a conversation with them about things that you like, I think is it's very meaningful. I have a little story from, I think it was the first year I was at G-Fest where we were tabling, and there was this young girl, uh, maybe she was like around 10 years old, I'm not really sure. She was so funny. She really loved our table. Like she came by, and I guess her parents gave her some money, and she just dropped easily like, at our table. I had these little um, pouches that I made and I stuffed them with little buttons. And I was like, oh, if you buy a pouch, it comes with some mystery buttons. And so she bought that and she came back a couple hours later and she's like sharing with me these cute little toys that she had gotten from the dealer's room, and she's like, look, I can put them in the pouch, I put buttons here on the pouch, and these are the that buttons I That is so got. wholesome. It is so wholesome. I almost lost it, crying, <laughs> like, like, I was like, this is so adorable, and then I've interacted with other people, like other dads, who are like, hey, my daughter, I drag my family here every year. And my just this, daughter...
1: is, this is sounding disgustingly on point for what I would say. Oh, yeah.
2: It's like I track my family every here <laughs> every year and my daughter loves your stuff. Like she found something that she really likes here and you were so awesome to my daughter mm-hmm. and thank you so much. And I'm just like, <laughs> crying, she was so sweet, you're all so sweet, oh my gosh.
3: So that has been the most meaningful.
1: That was absolutely brilliant. I think my emotional, like my little girl's monster slash dinosaur moment was when I like, I let her watch a bit of Jurassic World. I mean, there were a few kind of glossed over bits, she might say, you know, mm-hmm. the speed forward. But um, she really liked Blue as a character. She thought that, that was amazing because Blue's a girl. And then I was like, Charlotte, they're all girls.
3: Oh, yeah. She's just like, Rexy's a girl? Mm-hmm. Whoa! This you could really, be
1: Rexy. That should. could be you. We have a Rexy. She is frequently Rexy. Oh, and then, and it was really great. So we watched Fallen Kingdom and it was really kind of funny because she just didn't bat an eye on any of this, which, you know. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, the Indoraptor was a boy and she was very glad to find that out because the Indoraptor was very naughty and she did not like them really wholesome like lovely moments that you know like you just get but it's just really fun to see that and it it is quite lovely when a young person shares like their views with you it's always so lovely just to like get that because it's so excitable it's just a brilliant thing and matter of fact i think the, the delivery of children with their questions and their curiosity is is just great fun. Um, oh yeah! The other week you had Mothra journey, turning into a giant peanut. I mean, that was brilliant. Yes, oh, <laughs> hey, um, I love like it. Yeah, you. yeah. Um, so, I was so pleased to get that as an audio clip. Yeah. <laughs> it's the cocoon stage, and my daughter just said, "Daddy, why has Mothra become a giant peanut?" <laughs> so um, that that was a wholesome moment. and The other one, which I I genuinely got a belly laugh out of, Matt Frank. I was very proud. Of it was when we're listening to the Bear McCreary um cover of um the Godzilla song. And Emma just says, Daddy, but what is the folly of man? And it's like, Whoa.
3: Whoa stop. I can't do it. stop the,
1: stop the car. She asks such deep questions though, like she does. I was I was really like so, like, my daughter, like, she'll come up with the deep ones, like, Daddy, why is the color green called green? And you're just like, that's the kind of questions that, like, my daughter asks. But then you're like, your daughter comes up with, like, these really philosophical questions. These really uh, deep, uh, oh. Um, we, we shall, I can't even speak now I'm getting emotional, but we celebrated Rosh Hashanah recently, and my daughter said to me, but dad, which one is right, Christianity or Judaism? Now is just like, bleh, z- bleh, z- bleh. <laughs> people have been working on that for a while, actually. <laughs> yeah. to, to, to which I kind of stumbled, different beliefs, different destinations, they're all correct none of them are wrong as their waffle waffle someone right now is angry at me you know.
2: and and she and she was like okay yeah, yeah exactly I'm Just kind of too.
1: can i have a crisp I, i've i got some serious questions um one of them from sonia who insisted that i ask this and she she wanted to be named um so as a member of the lgbt community i want to kind of get her voice out there and she says sorry, how have movements like the Black Lives Matter and the growing authoritarianism in the U.S. impacted your art? I've said Mm -hmm. art, but uh, I suppose that can be broadened to kind of your work within Girls Who Love Monsters.
2: That is such a heavy topic and heavy question. Um, So personally, as a person, I always want to do more. I want to do more. I want to be able to... Find a way that I can lend people time and energy in order to get their voices heard. No matter what I'm doing, I always feel like it's not enough. That's personally um, what I'm what I'm dealing with. With girls who love monsters, I really wanted to make make it something that was like all inclusive and allow people to to have a voice and share their experiences. Where it will go, I'm not really sure. As far as some of the stuff I've done for Black Lives Matter, not a lot. I had another artist friend and he put together a charity shop. It was very timely because I was mulling over like, I want to do something. I can't find the time and energy to go out and protest. And what can I do? I have this ability to do art, but what should I, can I do? Um, so I did a piece. That was up for his shop, and I think if he takes the shop down, I really want to list the piece again. But then again, have all the proceeds go to charity, probably local charities here in Baltimore um, that help um, either homeless um, people of color or black-owned businesses, since so it's very big in Baltimore. But I did a piece of um, modern Mothra fairies, where one girl was white, and one girl was was black, very kawaii, lots of sparkles and as a white person i am always very hesitant because i want to be i want to make sure that i am being respectful and i'm helping and not harming one of the things that i that i've done i feel like is or at least thinking about how amplifying black voices so you know finding black creators and following them, giving them more likes, giving them more retweets, finding um uh, creators for LGBT, like as some of my closest friends recently in the last couple of years have just they've come out of the closet and, you know, giving people avenues and spaces to tell their stories. And for me I think that's one of like the biggest things that I personally can do is just stepping out of the way giving room for these people to kind of take the stage for a little bit.
1: It's something that I think um, like on a lot of different minority issues, people are starting to warm to the idea that part of good allyship isn't necessarily going loud and clear. I support this. It's actually going this person who is this minority, let them mm-hmm. speak, and actually I'm not going to just Quote them. I'm going to say no. Listen to them from their experience because it's very easy to accidentally appropriate the experience, like, and mm-hmm. it's, it's it's rarely malicious on anyone's part. But it's something that like I've explored quite a bit as an LGBT teacher. That when there's workshops on inclusion of LGBT pupils, there'll be uh this is how you can do things inclusively. These are things you should do. These are things you shouldn't do. And I'm forever saying, well, actually, these workshops should be run by LGBT teachers and we mm-hmm. should be directly engaging with the pupils themselves and say, well, what makes you feel uncomfortable? Rather than telling them, we know this harms you, it's far better to say, actually, you tell us, you know, what makes you feel more included? And it's having that mm-hmm. better direct engagement.
2: Yes, it's, uh, 100%. I also, personally, part of, like, uh I would say, like, my personal... Journey is, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm always striving every day to better myself and how to be a better person and think about how I interact with other people. You know, some a lot of the time, like almost a hundred percent of the time, all you know, all it takes is just a little bit, a little bit of respect. You know, step out of the way, let that person talk. Someone tells you, you know, what their pronoun, pronouns are. Just use their pronouns. Like. Yeah. It'll cost you nothing to show that person respect and it'll make, it will mean the world to them. Mm -hmm. Having, having someone feel like they were in a safe place and they were included and someone cared about them as a person, that's super important to me.
1: It was phenomenal. The impact, the gravitas of, um, baby Godzilla. With the trans narrative, with the, the what do you call it, the stop motion? Mm-hmm. It was phenomenal, the power that that had. And before the end of the episode, I will cite their name correctly. But the, <laughs> the Twitter user who made that stop motion video, I think like, it really hit the nail on the head for how simple it was. It, it's mm-hmm. had like, you know, phenomenal impact.
2: I think I cried, honestly. <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, it's so sweet, and it's, hmm. all, you, all you have to do is just show someone that you care. Just give them a little bit of love, and just small acts of kindness.
1: What I found very interesting about that video was that I had quite a few people who have nothing to do with the kaiji community going, have you seen this video? It's really, really cute. And I was going, oh, it's baby Godzilla. What <laughs> the heck? And it's because it, it had such a broad reach because it had drawn in so many people with that. But we are on our second break. Let's return with some more questions, and importantly, some recommendations from us all on what you can go out and explore.
0: Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, p -p 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 powder Donut. Okay, what's my line? Uh, The only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? via 24 monthly bill credits plus tax. If you cancel, credit stop and balance on required finance agreement may be due. Contact us. Qualifying credit and consumer plan required. See details at TMobile.com.
1: My name is Connor Blackster, and I'm a freelance 3D artist. My specialty is sculpting various monsters and kaiju found in pop culture, which are then converted into model kits via 3D printing. This is something I enjoy doing very much. And if you're interested in my work and like a private commission, then check out my portfolio site at InvaderDesign.co.uk. We can find my work and contact information. Or check out my Twitter, at invader underscore design. Cheers.
3: Welcome back to Cousy Curling House. Curling
1: House! Not bad. Solid 8 out of 10. That's good. Um, no. Harsh judge, I give, give it a, a 10. Jesus, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm honest. Honestly, <laughs> join <with laughs> my team, what do you feel are the main challenges at the moment for minority groups because there's a lot of disenfranchised kaiju hobbyists who are saying you know what let's start our own con and there's been a lot of that recently
2: so i think it goes back to what we were saying earlier about people not having um their the platform in order to be heard and i feel like things are Better works because of social media where anyone can say anything, um, that gives us more options to communicate with people and to, uh, give the spotlight to people who need and should be heard. I always feel like it's the more negativity seems to stand out more and I always see this from like a, a psychological perspective, right? So, we as human beings like we have this lizard brain right The subconscious mind that kind of operates everything that we do so uh when something happens to us something that we don't like someone says something someone does something that stands out in the back of our mind because our brains like how do we avoid that how do we not have to deal with that thing that we don't like again and the difficult thing in addition to that, is that there are these people who are loud, who are nasty, who are going to say things, and you're not going to change their mind, because that's who they are, you know, that's what they believe in, and that's one of the challenges, is, you know, not letting the negativity affect what you do. Because people are going to say horrible things. They're going to be like, why is, keep your politics out of Godzilla. Feminists, stay out of Godzilla. LGBT, stay out of Godzilla. You know, and it's like, be louder. We need to be louder than them. You know, we need to say, no, this is a space for everybody. And be the change that you want to see from the inside. So if if people who are clamoring for equality, we are clamoring for these people to get hurt, we can come together and we can be louder and we can be more vocal and just a a better version of ourselves, then I firmly believe, you know, we can drown these people out. I mean, I've had some experiences in the past with um, some people online. You know, they didn't like that, you know, I was coming into their club. You know, I'm like, I'm younger than them. I'm a girl. I'm like, I'm in their club and I'm, you know, kind of take it over because change is scary and fake geek girl. And, you know, that's always really discouraging. I read that and I was really discouraged. And I was like, does everybody feel like this? And that's not true. I mean, when I started putting this, this stuff with the book together, I was really concerned that people were going to come out of the woodwork and, you know, like, dox me or something like that. And the response has been really positive. Everyone has been, incre- everyone I've talked to has been incredibly supportive. People have been like, yes, we need this, we need this. And I think it just goes to show, I think that, there's more good than bad. And I think the bad people are just loud, just louder. And that's not to say that, you know, someone who's had an experience with someone who discouraged them or who was nasty to them, that's not to say, Oh, you should get over it. No, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that. It sucks. And I want things to change. I want everyone to feel included. And you know, me just one person. What can I do? Well, I'm going to try to be the change that I want to see. I hope that answers the question.
1: Oh, it was very powerful. I think you just um, stunned me into silence, slightly listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, normally, I'm a colossal gobshite, just sort of um, spamming people with questions and silliness. But thank you. It was nice to have some poignancy to show.
3: Oh,
1: um, thanks, Joe. You, you take a bit of the limelight. Do you have any questions for our guest? Kind of hard to follow up with this fantastic answer. Um, <laughs> mm. so, especially coming from the angle that, you know, your, your degree was in psychology, I was thinking, because there were a couple of points when Destiny spoke about sort of, you know, approaching this psychologically. Um, it'd be interesting to kind of get your thoughts on the toxicity within fandoms. Toxicity, as I under, I mean, like, my interpretation, how I feel, I don't think, toxicity stems from the core material that everybody enjoys. Because at the root of it, a fandom is a group of people that find joy out of something, art, media, however, whatever's been created. So there's a joy there. So the toxicity doesn't come from the joy of or the or the actual thing itself that everybody's like having fun with. It comes from an outside experience, something that's within that individual individual, something that's affected them somehow. And you aren't going to get anybody who is behaving quote unquote toxic within a fandom by calling them toxic, by, you know, spewing back equally, you know, bad withdrawal. Um, you just need to embrace that opinion. In some cases, you just have to say, you're like, wow, I really respect that view. That's really cool. But the way I see it is this. And like, there's really cool things that like I've heard just in fandoms that you just get from just embracing and listening to what people have to say. One of the best things that I've had thrown at me. Was, um, I'm a big, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle fan. I, I love all of those books. Um, I love Lost World. Obviously, that goes without saying large things things. But I also really love all the Sherlock Holmes stories. So one of the things that someone came to me, and it was just like people were spewing things out. But, you know, sometimes in these forums, not necessarily on, but like forums, just groups of people speaking, you get to hear some really interesting takes. One of these takes was that Moriarty isn't actually a real person. He is Sherlock. Sherlock has disassociative identity disorder. And Moriarty is Sherlock. Or, and then another person took a even birth, Moriarty is completely fictional imaginary. It's just in Sherlock's mind. And Sherlock is not mentally all there because he is making up a villain that's doing all these things. And of course, you can just take it the way that I had already, I had always traditionally thought about it. But you know, like Moriarty is this master villain, and Sherlock is always trying to catch him. But it never occurred to me that maybe Moriarty isn't an actual individual, or maybe there's something different there. And I loved that idea; it was so fantastic. But again, you know, like taking me into a different context, like the kaiju fandom. There are so many lovely, wonderful ideas there. I've spotted it out before. I would like to see where Ghidorah comes from. Ghidorah is a space monster. Is there a planet of Ghidorah's? Is Ghidorah the worst thing on his planet? Was Ghidorah sentient? Is Ghidorah a he? Who knows? But it's just like that's a really interesting story. Like where does Space Godzilla come from? Was that creature, you know, formed? Was it was it an actual designed animal or was it just a fluke of chance, or how did these things happen? There's just so many different avenues that you can explore along those lines. Matt Frank was really lovely when he came on with their own video. He said that there was multiple possibilities of the origin of Gamora that he had explored when he was doing his art. These are really great things, and I think the reason that these geniuses, these artists, have like become so prominent in the community is because that like people were willing to like take a stab and like listen to their ideas for a few minutes, and they're like, "Oh wow, that's really cool." So everybody has something to add, and I think that's the bit. You may not always agree, but there's always something to add, and it enriches your experience and your enjoyment of the material, and that's what your takeaway needs to be. The more people you include, the more diverse, the more interesting, and the more detailed the fandom can be. The fandom grows, the mythos grows with every person that you add to it, and I think that that's what your takeaway needs to be with inclusion. You don't need to care, you know, what a person's gender is, how old they are, when they came into the fandom. If they have a genuinely cool idea, who cares where it came from? Let's just enjoy it. Biolante came from a dentist. I mean, (laughs) that's not a botanist. That's not necessarily like a sci-fi expert, but, you know, like that winning design came from a dentist. Who would have thunk it? But, you know that's what I'm talking about. So whenever you want to just shut people out, whenever you want to be toxic online, why don't you just take a moment and just sit back and you're like, you know, maybe like instead of like critiquing their viewpoint on something like that, I could say that's a really good idea. Have you seen this, that, and the other thing? Because I think that that's kind of going along the line that you're thinking. And then like you can draw them out a little bit and think like, wow, you know, like you could have a wholesome conversation here. And that usually just gets bypassed because The internet has just become kind of a place where you can argue and spare your opinion as negative as you want it to be. And I get it. We all have bad days. We all want to be, you know, like, we all need to lash out every once in a while, you know, like, in some form or another. Like, I have arguments in the shower, you know, there we go. But, uh, I mean, like, you know, that, that's, that's the thing. Like, whenever I lose an argument, sure enough, like, when I take a shower, like, I think it's a perfect comeback. You know, it's, it happens, but, You just need to try and maintain that positivity when you're speaking with another person or, you know, like the occasion when someone does hurt you, why don't you just say like, golly, you know, like, I don't think we connected there. I feel a little bit, you know, like queasy about this conversation, but at the same time, we have an interesting topic to explore here. It's just, like I said before, the more people that you include, the more mythos that you can grow, the more details that they bring, because A lot of the people that are making Godzilla movies now, they're kind of our age, and people invited them in, and they are making canon what folks have come up with, and they are expanding on the things that we love. And if you want to gatekeep this community, you are not going to help the community because eventually the people that you are gatekeeping, however long you try and keep them out, they are going to take the reins of the fandom so why not just enjoy it all include them bring them into it have fun this is a fun thing this is a thing that's supposed to bring joy don't focus on like things that can be divisive or whatever i mean like it's always good to bring those up and you know, be wary of them and understand them and bring understanding to it but you know, it is it is a fandom but we're just trying to enjoy it. and the more like i said the more you bring people into it the
2: better it becomes on every level I want to add to your rant a little bit. Excellent points. And so one of the things that you said really hit me. And I wanted to just say, like, the more gatekeeping that happens and the more people that you shove out of the fandom, it's slowly killing the fandom. How many people have you discouraged from being the next person that's going to direct the next Godzilla movie or, you know, do the music, or do the screenwriting or make a comic book or what have you you know it's i see so many people who are like i'm so upset and i want to leave the community and i'm like no please you provide so much just being here and just being you you know so please don't be me please don't gatekeep be because we can keep thriving with stuff that we like the more right. people are here So here here's an excellent
1: here's an excellent opportunity to just kind of digest this in order to throw something out. So Eugene Lurie directed Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, right? So that's that's his movie. What it I mean, like aside from King Kong and maybe a few other ideas, that directly inspired Godzilla, right? Gojira. Mm -hmm. So Eugene Lurie then watches Gojira and he's like, I like that. So he makes (laughs) Gorgo. So we have an idea that inspired an idea that inspired another idea. So it's come full circle. But imagine if someone had been gatekeeping, you know, like Eugene Laurie is like, no, no, don't make, don't make, you know, a monster, a man in a suit monster movie. No, 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 that's too much like Godzilla. Leave it alone. Like, Gorgo's great. Like, I mean, we've done a podcast episode about Gorgo. It's basically just a long string of really bad decisions. That's all that Gorgo is. But I be like every single decision in that movie is a bad one. But that, that, that just, if someone had stopped that, you would have missed out on Gordo. And just, again, the more people that you allow to add to something, the better it could become. I mean, so, Fifty Shades of Grey, for instance, this is another example of, you mm. know, like someone within a fandom yeah. that has an idea and it becomes absolutely amazing. Fifty Shades of Grey, take it or leave it, love it or not. It is a very successful book, and lots of people found joy out of it. Perhaps other things, methods of entertainment, but who knows? Um, but that started out as Twilight fan fiction. It was just online, and it took off. People accepted it. People, you know, supported that person, and then it became books. It became a movie, and it affected lots of people positively. So, if, if you don't allow people to Expand on something or to do their fan fiction or to elaborate on an idea. The fandom is never going to grow. So just, let it, just like, let the people be. And if you think it's cool, encourage it. Like, that's the one thing that you can do an artist that means more to them than anything. Just encourage them. And if you don't like it, that's great. Keep your opinion to yourself. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. That's my I, second rant for this episode over.
2: I grew up watching Bambi every single night as a kid. So, you don't have anything nice to say. Don't say anything at all.
1: That accent God. was on point. That's good. <laughs> it <was> solid. She <laughs> traumatized <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is a traumatizing movie. Yeah, I, I, I'm feeling bad. I just remembered that I, I once cosplayed as Bambi's mom once to a to like a, 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 a to a university uh, party. Um...
3: You did
1: it. I did. And okay, and so my, my again, girlfriend went as the hunter and like, that's awful. Um, I'm. I'm, I'm uh, if nothing else, let's, it could be closed now, please, you know. Yes. Actually, <laughs> I will, I will, I'm, I'm going to add to this again. Go so on, on. Disney forums and Disney conspiracy theories are amazing. Again, this is an example of where people within a fandom can like come up with really cool stuff if you let them. One of them theorized that it was Gaston that killed Bambi's mom. Yeah. I... Oh. I... Wow. Like by explosion, right? Yeah. And then I mean like it isn't it isn't canon anymore because, you know, frozen two, spoilers, you find out a lot. But one of them one of the people online that I read, and like again it was kind of a new theory, like the boat wreck that Ariel loves was the boat that Anna and Elsa's mom were on when it went down.
2: Read the one about Anna and Elsa's mom were actually Tarzan's parents.
3: Yeah, again, I like, like yeah, I know, I, I that's, mean, that's Frozen 2
1: ruined a lot of these conspiracy mm. theories for us, but at the same time, it's it's really interesting to see how you can make things work within a universe, and it's that creativity that so many people bring, and you just really need to feed that, because it can be so good if you let it. Can I start us off for the recommendations, that be possible. Go ahead, because we'll continue on forever. Yes. We will. we'll end. And... <laughs> okay, right. We need to get you to bed. Sure, uh, yeah. I'm so tired. Um, right here we go. So, if nothing else, I have a list of people that I think that you should check out on various social media and celebrate. I specifically picked out women within the broad fandom that are fantastic. It's Cressa Beer, and that's at Ragon who did the trans baby Godzilla stop motion videos, and they are absolutely worth your time. So check those out, please. That's at beeragon, Cressabia. My second one is the suit actress for Baragon in GMK. I don't rate GMK as a film. I never have. I think that the monsters look great in it, but it annoys me as being the Being an unrealized film, I I wanted it to be the original monsters that were planned with having Varan, Angarus, and uh, Baragon, but that never happened. However, in terms of if nothing else, the suit actress, if you look up on YouTube, it's R I E. So Re, I I think it is Reota or Reota. I'm not sure on pronunciation, but there was a wonderful set of YouTube videos of her doing roars from Barragon's Synth. <laughs> have, you, have you seen them before, Destiny? Oh,
3: they're so, so cool. cute!
1: They're they brilliant. are. They're, and, I've shared them on Twitter. Every time I see it, I will yeah. always retweet that. <laughs> and, yeah, they're, they're wonderful. So they are absolutely worth your time. And then something a little bit left field, because I like to try and, um, go there occasionally my favorite video game for years now has been the platformer celeste and there are some heavy kaiju moments in there where the character who climbs a mountain to try and overcome her fears and her mental illness she basically whilst in this cave enters the mirror that is meant to kind of be the metaphor for her mental instability and these monsters start attacking her and as the monsters attack her they're saying all these negative things about who she is and it's it's a really heavy game but wow it explores some wonderful uh, ideas around kind of mental well-being but the musician who did the entire score is Lena Wrynn, and she talks about uh, how she made this music as kind of being quite cathartic for overcoming her own mental illness. So do check out Celeste. It's not predominantly a kaiju game, but there are kaiju moments in it, but it is very much kind of uh, a feminist game. It's a female um, protagonist, and the musician is a woman, and she's incredible. So there you go. Um, Destiny, if nothing else.
2: Great, so my husband and I uh we do we show at cons um as rainleaf studio and you can uh purchase our Godzilla and other types of merch and artwork online. We are rainleaf.store dot com or you can go to rainleaf.studio. dot studio and rainleaf is one word. And, of course, you can find me. I think I try to have links to that on all my social media, and I'm on all of the social medias as uh, Kaijin Zimei.
1: When is the book due out? Yeah, exactly. When you talk about this Kickstarter and everything. That's
2: That's that's right. Oh, my gosh. That's why I'm here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And the pleasant company, naturally. Yes.
2: Um,
3: So when does Kickstarter start?
2: Our Kickstarter goes live on October 1st, something, mm-hmm. sometime during the day of October 1st, and it's going to run until uh, the end of October, I believe October 30th, okay. um, so it's so 30 a 30-day 30 day, 30 day time frame. Mm-hmm. Cool. And
1: what's the release date expected for the book, if successful?
2: Uh, if successful, I really wanted to have it ready by at least December for the holiday season. Oh, nice. Uh. With the current, the disclaimer, with the current state of the world and things, it might not be until January. Uh, our printer, our printer, the printer that we're going with is in, I think based in Hong Kong, but it seems like restrictions on shipments to the US right now are starting to be lifted.
1: And Joe, if nothing else. So I've mentioned this book before on the podcast, but I've actually had the pleasure of reading it, and I have passed it along because I thought it was so good that I let someone else borrow it. Unfortunately, that was during COVID, so I haven't seen it back. However, um, The Lady from the Black Lagoon, Hollywood Monsters and the Lost Legacy of Millicent Patrick, um, it is about the woman who designed the creature from the Black Lagoon And it has a lot of amazing history in that film, in her career, and it's just about her contributions. It is a fantastic book. You can find it on Amazon. It is all of 16 pounds and 51 pence in the UK, as we are all trying to find new ways of entertaining ourselves and being socially distant. I think books are a fantastic opportunity, and this is a great one for anyone who is interested in the genre the use of practical effects, art, and uh, women and monsters. So there you go. It is time for us to finish. Um, thank you so much for listening. We are at Curry Kaiju on Twitter, and you've been listening to myself, Alex, and my good friends, Joe and Destiny, a.k.a. Kaiju Hime. We are Kaiju Curry House. Thank you so much for listening. Joe, when you're ready. As always, folks, keep it kaiju.
0: Me, 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 but also you. I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. Yeah. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing Peacock, the new free streaming service from NBC Universal. It's hit movies, current shows, live sports, trending bits, and timeless hits. And that's why you can't not watch. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Law & Order SVU streaming now.